Welcome into another edition of the Wisports.net podcast. I'm Travis Wilson, general manager at Wisports.net, and your host here for the WSN podcast. We're back at it this week. Took a sick day last week, dealing with some uh, some illness, like many people this time of the year. Just stuff going around. Flu, influenza, pneumonia, bronchitis, all kinds of stuff going around. If you got kids in school, you know certainly all about it, even if you don't have kids at school. You're probably uh, probably impacted in some way. So make sure that everybody gets healthy, especially all the ha- high school athletes out there. Take care of your body. Take care of yourself. Food, nutrition, sleep, all that good stuff to uh, make sure that you're good to go here in the next couple weeks because we are getting down to the end. In fact, for girls basketball, there's only about two and a half weeks left in the regular season. The playoffs start uh, first night of regionals, February 25th, a Tuesday. Of course, boys start the fo- excuse me following week. So that means that we're coming up with uh, only about a week and a half or so uh, before the seeding meetings for girls basketball. And then it's a sprint to the finish. Again, some things to take care of in the regular season still. A lot of conference races still up for grabs. A lot of uh, seeding, positioning, etc., etc. Uh, et and then it's one and done. In the playoffs, in the state tournament, in the uh, in the state, uh, in the the WIA playoffs in general. So, get rested up, get ready to go, and uh, and, and give it your best as we f- close out the 2019-2020 season. On this week's edition of the WSN podcast, we're going to be joined momentarily by Mark Miller, our boys basketball writer at WSN. It's been almost a month since we uh, talked with Mark here on the program. Uh, going to get an update from him on how the Minnesota-Wisconsin border battle went last weekend. Talk a little bit about uh, Johnny Davis and uh, talk a little bit about the uh, Division One race, which is uh, very interesting right now at the top. Kind of a general overview of things. And also uh, chat a little bit of a preview of the Illinois-Wisconsin border battle that will take place this coming weekend down in Racine. Before we get to that, I do want to take a, a moment to... Uh, to give our, our best thoughts out to Joan Pettigrew, the wife of uh, longtime Cuba City head coach Jerry Pettigrew. Uh, Joan does a ton through uh, her work, not only with Coach Pettigrew and, and is his rock as a coach uh, in the Cuba City program, but also in the WBCA. Uh, she helps coach with a ton of stuff and uh, does a lot behind the scenes as much as anybody. Uh, According to Coach Pettigrew, she was recently diagnosed with uh, with breast cancer, had surgery last week. Sounds like things are are going well in her recovery, and certainly want to wish her all the best. Um, a great person in general, in life, and especially for the high school basketball scene in the state of Wisconsin. We will talk a little bit more in depth in girls basketball coming up here in the next couple of weeks, but this uh, this week's version is going to be heavily focused on boys basketball. We are going to be joined by Mark uh, in a minute, um, but keep in mind that uh, you know it's a 24-7, 365 news cycle in pretty much all high school sports in Wisconsin, so there was some, uh, some recruiting information uh, and some football stuff going on this week. It was the late signing period, which had been the traditional signing period uh, for high school football players and for many of the uh, Division II and uh, FCS programs, etc. This was kind of the big day for the Wisconsin Badgers, you know, for the Big Ten, the Division One uh, FBS programs. 
A lot of those were taken care of in that early signing period that was initiated, and uh, things are kind of out of the way. I think the, the Badgers, in fact, only signed one scholarship player today, a running back from New Jersey, looking to continue that pipeline. Uh, but there was a few uh, additional preferred walk-ons that were announced officially by the school. Riley Nowakowski from Marquette, um, uh, Jack Van Dyke from Nina added to the fold as a preferred walk-on, a, a kicker and, and punter as, as well for Wisconsin. Um, and, you know, some late late signees for Division II, et cetera. Uh, but uh, for the most part, things were taken care of back in the fall, at least at the higher levels. So uh, with that being said, now that this later signing period is out of the way, keep an eye out here in the next week or so, week to two weeks, for updated junior class rankings for football. The class of 2021 uh, I'll be turning my attention to, uh, putting together a list of the top 50, kind of a preliminary list, and then uh, some others to watch. And that will be updated again over the summer in early July. We'll break it down into top 15 at each of the um, at each of, of the various positions. We'll do an updated top 50. We'll have more information at that time in terms of camp and combine performances, some more in-person evaluations, some more recruiting information that'll be out there, just more information that'll allow us to narrow things down a little bit more. But again, coming up in the next week or two, class of 2021 football rankings on WSN. And while we're talking football real quickly, certainly uh, want to put a plug in for the WFCA combine that we've been a part of since the very beginning. Incredible, incredible event at Sussex Hamilton this year held April 25th, a Saturday. If you haven't signed up yet, get it done because we expect that it will uh, sell out as it has the last couple of years. We'll take over 500 kids, but we're almost halfway there already and the combine is still two and a half months out. So if you're contemplating whether you want to sign up for the combine, just do it. You will not regret it. It's a great opportunity. It's a great experience. Whether you're a high-level kid and you want to get in front of some of the Division I coaches there, um, you know, it's it's a great place for that. If you're maybe not on the radar right now and you want to see what you can do, put up some times and, you know, get noticed a little bit, it's a great opportunity for that. If you just like competing, it's a great opportunity for that. If you want to see where you stack up against some of the other top players around the state, it's a great opportunity for that as well. You know, if you're a six foot one, 250 pound offensive lineman that feels like they should be getting Division I scholarship offers, Come to the combine, stand next to the guys that are 6'5, 6'7, 275. And, you know, I, I hate to say it, but you'll find out why you're not getting the Division I looks. Um, those guys are, are a different breed, and there's not many of them, but there are quite a few that do come to the combine. So it's a great opportunity, whether you're a high level kid or just somebody that, you know, is, wants to get together for a great day of, uh, of football action and, and football uh, stuff in the off season, which there's not a ton of, this is a really a, a great experience. So head over to the, the uh, WFCA website, check it out, uh, get signed up for the combine, consider signing up for the Epic player uh, profile as well to, uh, to get your information on there. And uh, we'll see you April 25th at Sussex Hamilton, the great indoor facility that they have there. And join us to talk a little bit of Boys High School Hoops is our boys basketball writer at Wisports.net and WBCA Hall of Fame inductee Mark Miller. Mark, you're coming off a busy weekend with the um, Minnesota-Wisconsin border battle, and you've got another busy weekend coming up with the Illinois 
uh, Wisconsin border battle that we'll get to in just a minute. But first, we do want to look back at the Minnesota-Wisconsin border battle. Um, what what year was that for this? Was it 14th that, uh, that you've been a part of this event? Yes, 14 years. Yep. Seven years in Wisconsin, seven in Minnesota. And uh, unfortunately, we have fallen behind in the all-time series, 52 games to 33. And uh, yeah, very, very impressed overall, particularly over the last 10 years or so with a, a level of talent in the Minnesota uh, area, particularly the Twin City area. But even their small schools from outside the area <laughs> have been very, very impressive. Uh, we only won two games out of the seven in lacrosse this past Saturday. Uh, several other were, were close, but uh, just couldn't get over the hump. So Minnesota's kind of taken a bit of an edge here, and hopefully in the next uh, three, four, five years we can we can do the same to them. But uh, it's been a bit of a rough go over the last several years. We will get to the highlight game from that event, which was Lacrosse Central and Minnehaha Academy in just a second. But from the other games, some of the earlier games, um, games involving some of the smaller schools, et cetera, what were some of the things, teams, players that stood out from that great day of basketball in lacrosse? Yeah, I think, um, you know, we started off with Stratford, um, and they came in uh, with, with a 14-0 record and, and left 15-0, and and I believe they won yesterday, so they're now 16-0. and And as you're aware, Travis, they're ranked number two in Division Four in the WISSports.net coaches poll, and for good reason. They have a senior-dominated team that uh, really plays strong defense. Kurt Schmidt does an excellent job of of coaching this group. His son uh, Chandler is one of their better defenders. Um, and then, of course, they have two two big uh, two big post players. Uh, although I guess I wouldn't call Vaughn Bright a post player. He's more of a guard forward at six five. He led Stratford in that game with seventeen points. He's a four-year varsity kid. Uh, can play inside and outside. And then, of course, they have Ben Barton underneath at 6'6", and uh, he's a Wisconsin football recruit, as you know, as a lineman, and uh, uh, he had 15 points in that game. Um, it, what was interesting about Stratford was that they hurt Spring Grove early in the game with their post players, uh, with, with Ben and with Vaughn, and then later in the game when Spring Grove tried to take that away with his own, they started to make three-point shots, Max Vanderhoof, Dawson, uh, uh, Dean and Chandler Schmidt and Teddy Redmond all hit threes. Um, so they're a pretty well-balanced team. And uh, I think it's a team definitely in contention for winning the division four state championship. Uh, Brookfield Academy got beat by a really good Lake city team that scored 99 points. Um, Aiden Clary had 30 for BA and Logan Landers had 23. Uh, they did play without Max Coonard, who was out with an injury. Uh, but Lake City was really good. Nate Heisey had 37 for them. And like, like I said, he's a Northern Iowa recruit. I think he had three dunks and I think he had six or seven threes. So they, they made 23s as a team. It's a <laughs> really good team. Very impressive. Eau Claire North ran into Rochester Mayo without Ashton Callstrom, their second leading scorer. He's also out with an injury and that hurt them. Although Dalton Banks had 46. That was a career high for Dalton. Um, and he's going to Southern Illinois and he kept Eau Claire North in the game until the end, but Mayo uh, pulled it out 93 to 80. They have uh, the Madsen boys who spent their freshman year at Bloomer and then transferred uh, with their dad as coach uh, to Rochester Mayo. And Gabe had 21 and, and Mason had 16. They're both headed to Cincinnati next year on scholarship. So 
that was a fun game to watch. A lot of points scored and, and Dalton was fantastic. He, he really was, he scored uh, in so many different ways and just kept Eau Claire North in the game. And, and, um, you know, was consistent throughout the contest. I mean, he scored at a high rate in the first half and in the second half down the stretch against a good, a team with really good height and length. Uh, very impressive performance by him. Now, Kakana lost a heartbreaker by one sixty-nine sixty-eight to Um Probably not pronouncing that right, but <laughs> um, I've heard it so many different ways over the last uh, two weeks. But anyway, uh, Logan Jebwabney had 29 for, for Kakana. And Jacob Newhouse had 25. Um, Kakana was up by two with under a minute to go, and he was playing strong defense. And um, Cole Chapman, a 6'10 center for for the Zephyrs, uh, popped out to the three point line and drilled a three, um, his only three of the game, of course. Um, and then Kakana did have a chance; they had the ball with 30 seconds to go, down one, work for a last shot. But uh, Newhouse's baseline jumper was off. And, uh, and the Ghost lost by one. And then the final game at Central, Milwaukee, Washington, of course, we had booked them a year in advance for this event, thinking they might have Michael Foster. And, uh, of course, they don't have Michael Foster. And, unfortunately, for Coach Freddie Riley and the poor Golders, they were really no match for Austin, Minnesota, um, which has a really nice team, very balanced team with really good size and length. And Washington went down 82-53. to 53. And at that point, Travis, we got in the car and we went over to the UW Cross for the last two games of the day. Um, and uh, those two were, were absolutely uh, really fun games to watch. Before we get into those two spotlight games, I want to go back real quick to Stratford, a, a team that, as you said, is uh, undefeated and ranked second in Division Four this week. They did steal a couple of first-place votes from Cuba City this week, which is kind of interesting to see. Cuba City's undefeated as well and been ranked number one all year. Um, real quick, what's your, what's your thoughts on that D four race? And, you know, is Stratford, uh, you know, a contender to take down a team like Cuba city? Right. You know, I've seen both teams play this year, um, both against good, good competition. I think, I think they're, they're pretty darn close. I mean, uh, the one thing that Stratford has is all their guys are seniors. And as you may be aware, they went undefeated last year until the, until the, uh, playoffs, um, and, and they got upset in the, I think it was in the sectional semis. Um, so their guys are very, very hungry to, to take it a, a step further and get to the Cole center. Um, and, you know, having a, a football guy like Ben Barton is just enormous for them. Um, you know, he can set screens. He uses his body very well around the basket to score. He's got really good footwork uh, for a big guy like that. Um, I think anytime you have a, a high uh, football recruit like like Ben on your on your roster, that really helps you um, in a lot of different ways, from a toughness perspective, obviously from a physical presence uh, uh, point of view, and then you know just his, his overall grit and determination to go along with the other guys that many of whom were on that football team that made it to the state championship game. Uh, I, I forget which division, maybe four or five. Um, but uh, I, I do think that they, they, they match up well with, uh, with Cuba City. Um, they have some, uh, a little more length at the guard positions than Cuba City does. Um, but, you know, quickness-wise, I get the edge to, to the Cubans. Um, and then, of course, uh, you know, you have a difference maker in, in a guy like Brady Olson and um, Braden Daly. So 
um, that that would be one heck of a game, you know, should both teams get to the goal center uh, in March. Um, and then, you know, there's some other teams out there too. I think Milwaukee Academy of Science in Division Four is another team that is going to be, you know, a, a strong contender. So um, it should be really a lot of fun. Hopefully uh, we get, to, you know, the teams that we anticipate um, to the state tournament and we will see one heck of a 14 field in Division Four. That Stratford team may be a little reminiscent of the uh, Amherst squad from a couple years ago when they had Tyler Biotish, of course, a, a big-time football player now heading to the NFL, Garrett Groshek, a lot of guys that played football in a very successful football program made it to state before falling to uh, to Cameron that year. So maybe a little bit of parallels there. Let's yeah, get to yeah. let, let's get to those uh, those spotlight games on Saturday. Though you mentioned uh, moved because of uh, uh, capacity issues, moved to UW Lacrosse, and uh, at least that that first game over there, Lacrosse Central and Minnehaha sold out, standing room only, from the sounds of it. Um, take us through through that incredible game with so much talent on the floor between Minnehaha and Lacrosse Central. Yeah, it's a, it's it was the biggest crowd of any event I've ever been a part of in terms of whether it was the WBUS shootout or the Border Battle or the Shakur's Classic. It was just enormous. Uh, we estimated over three thousand people were there, and um, the place was full. And you know, it was a great electric atmosphere for the kids to participate in. Um, you know, the buzz uh, going throughout the gym. Uh, prior to the tip-off was was uh, pretty pretty intense, uh, and then of course uh, intensity that that pretty much describes Johnny Davis in a, in a in a nutshell because he he just comes to play and every single time he steps on that court, uh, it's a cliche but with Johnny it's really true he he really puts forth 110 percent um, on both ends of the court. I mean he's also a very good defender, um, but offensively he was. Uh, he was a guy that, that, you know, was just very difficult for Minnehaha Academy to keep in front of them. Um, and he finished the game with 42 points uh, and he did not have a three point shot, uh, and also missed a, uh, several free throws. So, you know, he, he, you know, had he played per- a perfect game, he probably could have had 50, but, uh, he was, uh, nonetheless playing on that bigger college floor, uh, was extremely impressive. You know, he made, uh, some really nice mid-range jump shots where he used uh, his pivot foot to, to pivot away from the defender and kind of hit a, a fallback uh, mid-range shot. I hadn't seen him do that a ton in the past. Um, usually it was, you know, a straight line drive to the basket and, and finish through contact or, or, you know, dunk it on somebody. He also had a, a which uh, has made the rounds on YouTube and, and so forth, a, a offensive rebound uh, dunk uh, on uh, in the first half. That was uh, very, very impressive. I thought his brother Jordan played a really solid game too. He had 11 points. Um, he really provides a calming and uh, kind of a calming presence to the central team in terms of handling the ball and making sure the guys are in the right spots to get them the ball uh, in positions where they can score. Also a really good defender. Um, as you know, from his football playing days, Jordan has a really strong body and so does Johnny. Um, but uh, I, I think Jordan's a, a guy that could develop into a really solid defender at Wisconsin, it might take him a bit, um, but I, I think he he's he's a guy that will really be a glue piece, um, and he certainly is that for Central. And then, of course, Johnny, you know, Johnny outscored uh, guys that were ranked a lot higher than he uh, he is in the national rankings uh, from Minnehaha. That doesn't necessarily mean he's a better prospect, but he he certainly proved his worth, and that you know maybe he is underrated in that respect. Uh, of course, Minnehaha they got 28 from Jalen Suggs and. 
Um, he's going to Gonzaga, as you know, and he, <laughs> he's just a guy that uh, does some remarkable things on the court, whether it's uh, finishing off an incredible drive or popping a three from way out, um, just seemed to, 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 to give them what they needed to get that win the other night, uh, 73-64. And then Chet Holmgren uh, is, a, is a player unlike anyone I've ever seen as a seven-footer, uh, real long and lanky and exceptionally skilled for a guy that size where he can make three-point shots and dribble behind his back and get to the basket, certainly block and alter shots. And I think uh, one of the rankings I saw, he was number four in the junior class in the country. And then Wisconsin football recruit Caden Johnson is also on that Minnehaha team, and he had 11 points. And I, you know, if I point to the difference in the game, the stars certainly were all very good, but I think the, the secondary players for Minnehaha were provided just a little bit more scoring and, and overall play, and Caden was a big part of that. So it's a fun game. You know, obviously it would have been nice to see Central pull it out uh, against a nationally ranked opponent like Minnehaha Academy, but uh, just didn't have quite enough. But they were in the game uh, until, you know, the last minute or so. So it was a fun atmosphere and um, hopefully a game that the kids will always remember playing in front of that many people. So let's go back to, to Johnny Davis for a second. And he entered, I think, most people would assume, as the favorite for Mr. Basketball in Wisconsin once Jalen Johnson left and uh, Jamari Sibley and some of the other defections that we've had. He would have been in the conversation anyway, but I, I think he entered as a pretty strong favorite. At this point, I, I think it's pretty fair to say it's a two-person race most likely between Davis as a favorite and uh, Jacob Agnesevic from uh, Sheboygan Lutheran, who's putting up huge numbers for a top-ranked team there. Uh, where where do you see that that battle for Mr. Basketball going in the next uh, last month of the year here? Well, if you ask me to, to pick the best player in the state in the senior class, I would pick Johnny Davis uh, today, tomorrow, and the next day. Um, I just think he's he's proven his worth um, and, and what he can do. Um, Obviously, from a production standpoint, um, uh, Jacob uh, at Sheboygan Lutheran is putting up, like you mentioned, crazy numbers and has been really consistent. Um, you know, the competition that he plays in the Big Big East, obviously, is a lot of smaller schools. I, I think Central did an outstanding job, even though they have four losses, of putting together a, a really challenging non-conference schedule. Uh, they played three games out in Florida at the Montford Academy uh, Tournament. Obviously, I played many ha-ha in, in this weekend uh, at the uh, Illinois border battle, and we're seeing they play a really good DeKalb team that's got 20 wins already on the year. So um, I think Johnny's the favorite. Uh, Jacob certainly would be probably the runner-up. I think Dalton Banks and Carter Gilmore are two other guys that you know deserve mention. They've had just tremendous seasons um, and are really good players. Um, but, you know, unless – Unless Central were to uh, lose a second time, maybe to Alaska, and then maybe not qualify for state, and Johnny maybe drops down a little bit, and just in terms of his production, I think it's probably his award to lose. Um, and uh, to date, I don't think he's done anything but prove that he's uh, most worthy of that award. Do want to touch on real quick that Alaska game to close out the day? They uh, put up another impressive performance in getting a win over Lakeville North program that Wisconsin fans are familiar with, producing Tyler Wall, uh, Nate Reavers as well the last couple of years. Um, not the Lakeville North team that you know featured those guys, but yet another impressive win for Onalaska. 
It was impressive. You know, North had, had beaten Lakeview South on Friday night, and Lakeview South was ranked among the top 10 4A schools in, in Minnesota. So they were coming in off a high, obviously beating their city rivals. Um, the one thing I have to say about Onalaska, they're 16 and 1 right now. Um, they, it's funny, you know, they beat Central um, rather, I wouldn't say handily, but convincingly at Onalaska earlier this year. Uh, to date, I would say that they are the best team I've seen in the state this year, although I, I really like Central and really like Racine St. Catharines. Um, obviously, La Follette and Brooks Central um, at the D1 level are all really good, too. So, I mean, you can throw all those in the same bag. But um, the one thing that, that uh, is interesting is that the crowd, it was 3,000-plus for Central, and everyone stayed and everyone enjoyed that game. And obviously, you had high major Division One players on the court for both teams. Uh, by halftime of the Onalaska Lakeview North game, and the place was about half full. And I'm thinking to myself, well, Onalaska beat Central. They have an incredible team, and yet people love that star power. They love the pizzazz of the of the dunk and of the incredible play by Suggs or or Holmgren or Johnny Davis. But you know, Onalaska went out and just methodically did what they do against a good Lakeview North team, and slowly but surely pulled away with moving the ball. Uh, setting screens, running their offense, playing unbelievably good man-to-man defense, getting contributions from uh, up and down their lineup. Um, and that's how they beat you. They just beat you with soundness, with, with intelligence. And, you know, they also have really good players. I mean, I don't want to sell those guys short. I mean, they Tyrell Stetley's going to Minnesota State Mankato on a, on a D2 scholarship. You know, Gavin McGrath is a 6'11 junior that uh, I think will, you know, garner some scholarship looks this summer. Sam Kick. 6'2 junior guard who's in his third year on the varsity. He's another guy that potentially could get a scholarship. And Carson Arns at 6'5 and a senior, he's got a lot of Division II looks. So um, I think Craig Cowell and his staff do about as good a job as any coaching staff in the state of Wisconsin. And, and I really mean that. They just play the game the right way, and um, it's, it's a joy to watch them play it. All right, well, let's move on a little bit, and, and we're going to talk Division One. You, you mentioned a few of those programs, and uh, it's really interesting to look at the top of the Division One rankings where you have Madison LaFollette, who's undefeated. They beat number two, Brookfield Central. Brookfield Central, in turn, has beaten third-ranked Sussex Hamilton, and it's uh, it's loaded with Big Eight and Greater Metro teams in that top ten of Division One. each conference having uh, three in currently, and then uh, Madison Memorial has been in there uh, in the past as well. As we look over Division One, how do you peg this race heading into the home stretch? And, you know, is a team like Madison LaFollette good enough, deep enough, et cetera, to go all the way and, and beat these uh, highly, you know, talented teams all the way through the playoffs? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, um, having seen these teams play, uh, there's not much that separates them, obviously. Um, they all have uh, experienced talented, skilled, hungry kids who want to win. Um, you know, Brook Central obviously got taken to the woodshed in a, in a WBI shootout by La Follette, who just played uh, an A game uh, in that contest and and, uh, and used the bigger floor to, to speed Central up. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, that was to their advantage uh, for sure. You know, Arrowhead, another really good team. You know, Carter Gilmore is, is – uh, impacts the game on so many different levels in, in such a positive way that they, they have just one loss right now with a relatively young lineup. Uh, he's playing some young kids, including freshmen, 
Max Recchi, who's one of the better 2023 kids in, in Wisconsin. Sussex Hamilton, of course, has the best uh, prospect in Wisconsin and, and junior Patrick Baldwin, um, uh, another guy that impacts the game on, on with his passing, with his rebounding, with his shooting, his defense, uh, his unselfishness, his willingness to defend, all those things. He, he does it all. Um, and then, of course, you know, uh, Brookfield Central and Kimberly and, and, and Nina and, and Sun Prairie and Brook East, all those teams are, are capable I don't think there's a clear-cut favorite in D1, Travis. I mean, certainly LaFollette could go all the way and, and, and could finish unbeaten. Um, my hunch is that that will not happen, um, that they'll, they'll, you know, meet their match, so to speak, at some point during the season. Uh, for them, they have a two-game lead in the Big 8, so they probably would prefer if that were to happen, to, to happen during the regular season, obviously. Um, but it, it, I think really all five of our divisions, there are, uh, you know, three or four or five teams that you can write down on paper right now as having a legitimate chance to win it all. And that includes Division Four with, with Sheboygan Lutheran. I mean, uh, maybe not quite as deep as the other four divisions, but certainly Banger is a team uh, that uh, that is more than capable of, of, of holding its own against a team like Sheboygan Lutheran. So um, there's a lot of balance and a lot of uh, talented teams within all of our divisions. So it'll be very exciting to see how the conference races end up here in the last few weeks and then obviously uh, the playoffs after that. Getting back to Division One for a second, a team that has kind of flown a little bit under the radar, I think, is Milwaukee King, who uh, I, I didn't see the result from last night, I guess, but uh, entered last night undefeated and ranked fifth, but you know don't have the star power of a Milwaukee King team from the past or Milwaukee Washington from the last couple seasons. Uh, where does Milwaukee King fit in that pecking order in Division One? do you think? Yeah, they won last night. They... Uh... They just handled Bradley Tech 91 to 44, so they're 15 and all. Um, the city conference is down this year. I, I don't think there's any question about it. Um, um, they don't have the uh, the star power that they've had in the past with guys like Michael Foster and you know some of the other outstanding players that have played. Uh, um, you know whether at Riverside or, or King or uh, certainly Washington, um, but. Um, King is a good team. They really are. You know, Quentin Morrell is their best player. He's a junior. He's about 6'5 or so. Um, it's just a real uh, steady, smooth player who's averaging around 20 a game. Um, good passer, good rebounder, good shooter, uh, good off the dribble. Um, and I, I think that they are clearly the best team in, in the city conference. Um, you know, how far that can take them outside of the city conference I guess is is a question that will have to be answered because I, I I'm with you I it's just really hard to know um, how good they are um, you know their non-conference schedule they played some good teams they beat Brookfield Academy um, which is a D4 team but a, a solid a solid club uh, they handled West Dallas Central which has been a bit up and down but does have talent um, they beat Milwaukee Academy of Science another D4 team. Um, and they beat Franklin, which competes in the Southeast, and McGuanagoe out of the Classic Eight. But, you know, none of those teams, I would say, are, are absolute um, dynamite. I would say Academy of Science probably is the best team that they've played this year, and they beat them by seven at home back on December 20th. Um, and unfortunately for King, um, the rest of their schedule is all within the league, so there's, there's a really good chance that they can go 22-0 and all heading into the playoffs. Um, but, you know, how far can they go uh, in the playoffs is, is a question. Uh, I think uh, I, I really don't have a great answer to that question because it's, it's hard to know exactly how good they are. 
based on on the on the schedule that they played. Normally, team from the city conference that's twenty two and zero and doesn't lose in, within the city conference is going to be ranked number one or two in the state. But that isn't the case this year. And of course, they're they're also competing in, in that uh, loaded div, uh, division two sec, um, sectional two, I should say, field with Arrowhead and with the two Brookfield schools and with Sussex Hamilton. Um, so, you know, it's going to be tough to get out of there. Um, but they are a wild card, and they are a, a team that uh, will be very exciting to see how they can stack up against those guys come playoff time. Yeah, interesting to see King is the only city conference team in Division One out of sec- uh, sectional four and the only one in sectional two, which, like you said, is an absolutely loaded field. In addition to the ones you mentioned, there's Menominee Falls and Bayport and an improving Manitowoc right. squad. So. That is going yep. to be a, a difficult one to seed where you could have a Milwaukee King undefeated and maybe get a four or a five seed even, depending on how, how the rest of the season plays out. So that'll be, uh, that'll be interesting yeah. to watch. It will be, and that, that's one of the um, uh, shortcomings, I think, of, of the seeding system the way it is right now because, unfortunately for King, they are the only city team in that sectional, as you mentioned, so um, Coach Lewis is going to go into that meeting, you know, not having any allies necessarily in terms of, of, of where they're seated. And, of course, uh, the Greater Metro, uh, the Fox River Classic, um, all have multiple teams in there. So um, I'm a big proponent of basketball going to the same format that football is headed toward with the computer rankings. I think it just takes out uh, some hard feelings between coaches and, and some coaches, you know, maybe – moving a team up or down based on who they might play in the second or third round. I just think that the, the a computer formula is the best way to go. And talking to Jerry Pettigrew uh, from the Wisconsin Basketball Coaches Association, I think I think you had him on uh, the podcast a while back where he also mentioned that that's a strong possibility that that could happen within the next couple of years. Yeah, it sounds like uh, you know something that they're looking into developing and um, not as far along as football, which is uh, – pretty much done and set and will be implemented in 2020 but uh, I think within the next couple years it's going to be in not only basketball but very likely other sports as well that have uh, have also looked into it so something we'll be paying attention to going forward before we let you go Mark we do want to talk about uh, the Illinois Wisconsin border battle that's coming up this weekend down in Racine Uh, take us through a preview of that event Right, right. We're excited about this. I think we got a really good lineup. It's at the Prairie School, which is on the far north side of Racine. Um, it's over by the lake. It's a beautiful gym, beautiful campus, uh, ample parking, easy to get in and out. Uh, so uh, if fans are looking to watch some really good basketball, that would be the place to be. Um, we start at 11 a.m. with Brookfield Academy against New Trier. Uh, and go all the way through 8 p.m. with Lacrosse Central and Johnny Davis taking on DeKalb, Illinois, which uh, has a really good team this year and already are over 20 wins. Um, and we have Winnebago Lutheran, Madison East taking on a, Man- a Marian Catholic team out of the um, East Suburban Catholic Conference in, in uh, Chicago that has a point guard going to Iowa and a wing forward that's going to Western Illinois. So that'll be a good test for the Pergolders. Brookfield Central is going to place a, a go up against a Deerfield, Illinois team that has a 6'11 center. Uh, and Sun Prairie will play against a, a, a solid Antioch team. So I think all seven of our games are going to be competitive, and hopefully we can come out on top with uh, get at least four wins and 
and have bragging rights for 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 this year. But uh, yeah, we started at eleven at, at the Prairie School, and uh, you get in for ten bucks, and that's good for the whole day. And uh, you can watch a lot of good basketball, and are really comfortable and uh, a very uh, uh, nice facility at the Prairie School. All right, good stuff as always, Mark. Appreciate you uh, taking some time to break down some things as we head into the home stretch of the boys' basketball season. As always, make sure to look for Mark's stuff all over withsports.net and also on social media. Mark, we'll let you get back to it. I know you're prepping for that event uh, this weekend. So uh, thanks for joining us, and we'll, uh, we'll chat at you, I'm sure, very soon here. Okay. Well, thanks for having me on, Travis. Appreciate it. There you go. Great visit with Mark, as always. And if you are in the Milwaukee area or Kenosha Racine area this weekend, get over and check out the Wisconsin-Illinois border battle there at the Racine Prairie facility. Great facility, as Mark uh, as Mark said. But uh, that'll, that'll do it for us today. We're going to let you go, get out to some games this week, take in that great action late in the high school basketball season. Not much better than some of those big conference games as we head down the stretch. I am Travis Wilson. This has been a Wisports.net podcast. We'll see you at a game.